Well, you're here uh, this morning because at some point, uh, a parent, a kid, a friend, a neighbor, a boss, a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, somebody told you about the power and majesty of the God of the universe and what he did for you. So you're here because what Jesus Christ did for you, what someone told you, that had a a, a radical meaning to you, and you felt compelled by that, and you're here, or you're here investigating and asking the question, uh, this picture, this thing called the gospel, this good news, uh, is it really true? Because it sounds too good to be true. Now, everybody, every one of us have had things that sound too good to be true, and they almost are always too good to be true. You guys uh, ever had something that sounded too good to be true, and then you knew that it was? I remember that. Uh, one, of the, one of the first times I was deeply devastated uh, in my life was uh, I was like 13 years old and something came in the mail and it said I could have 12 CDs for 12 cents. <laughs> and I was so pumped. And I did not know that if you do that, you also have to purchase 12 more CDs for $1,000 a piece. That's what you have to do. That's what it felt like to me, because I remember I had 12 cents, but I didn't have the rest of the money, so it didn't matter. That's what it felt like. Life happens in ways where you hope that this great thing that's out there uh, really comes to pass, but it, it, it sometimes doesn't. And my fear is actually that when we walk in this thing called Christianity or what it means to be a follower of Jesus is you hear this unbelievable message. Jesus comes in and gives you his righteousness in exchange for your brokenness and gives you freedom and wholeness and newness of life. And it sounds amazing. And yet, I think in practice, there's a feeling that it's not always what it's cracked up to be, that it sounded amazing at the beginning, but I'm like trudging through this, and there seems to be a challenge of walking with Jesus, and I don't feel, and I'm not experiencing this life that God has for me. What gets in the way? What gets in the way of that? Well, there's a couple of things, and in fact, what we're going to be doing throughout the entirety of this series is exploring and discovering the things that are keeping us from experiencing the power of what Jesus did on the cross in our real everyday lives. So what happens is, is we hear this amazing thing, but then at some point we start going, yeah, man, so I got I to gotta work this faith out. I gotta, I've got to do all these awesome things for God, right? He gave his life for me, therefore I owe for him. But, and that's all true, by the way. But the problem is, is that our owing to him starts to become the things that we need to do for him, the things that we've got to try to accomplish in order to be accepted by him, the things that we need to do because we know of the things that we're supposed to do and the things that we're not supposed to do. And all of a sudden, we're not operating from a relationship as sons and daughters but what we've turned this thing into is a religion that is transactional to make sure we're in good standing with the guy upstairs. And that is not what Jesus purchased for you and I on the cross. It becomes this heavy, I don't know if you've ever been there, and I won't make you raise your hand, but how many of you have ever felt like this Religion is a little bit of a weight around your neck because no one else in the world around us seems to be doing it. And I've got this moral code I'm trying to live by that 
the world around me doesn't really care about and I'm reaching for and I'm falling short and failing and, and it just ends up feeling like, come on, where's the power here? Where's the life? And we end up walking around like zombies, not connected to our hearts, not connected to the heart of the Father, not connected to each other in any meaningful way and we're missing out. And I know that is not... Jesus' heart for us. This series is the beginning of exploring and unveiling those forces that are keeping us from having the fullness of life that we are meant to have in Christ. Not that every day will be hunky-dory, but that in all the highs and in all the lows, we are walking and experiencing the freedom and not just experiencing the freedom that Christ purchased for us, but able to give it away wherever we go. So God is here to give us his heart and a life that is truly free, where we're experiencing life and stepping into our calling, walking with confidence that comes from knowing Jesus. And that's where we're headed with this series. And I believe this is what it fundamentally means to be a follower of Jesus, is holding and having and carrying this powerful freedom that he wants to give to us. Paul wants to take this issue of freedom Right from the beginning, I say, Paul, but the Holy Spirit wants to just grab this issue of freedom and begin to expound upon it and what it looks like for us to live this way. I'm going to set this up. You're in Galatians 5. Before we go there, let me just set it up. Uh, the church in Galatia has been, has experienced, maybe in the same way, the beauty and the majesty and the power of the gospel. They received it and were excited about it. But that same thing that often happens to us happened to them. They started making it about their works and what they have to do and what they have to perform in order to receive acceptance from God. And they were locked down. And Paul wanted to write a letter to them. The Holy Spirit wanted to speak a truth over them that that is not the life that you were called into. In Galatians chapter 5 Paul, or the Holy Spirit, speaks right to the church, and he says, listen, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery, which means this. You and I all have come from a yoke of slavery. That's where every one of us started. And there's this tendency from two places, both from the voice of the enemy and then from the flesh within us that wants to keep leaning back towards this yoke of slavery. There's this pull towards going back to these old ways and old habits and wrong and broken patterns of living that are keeping us from freedom. That's what the church is experiencing here. And there's this ferocious battle that's taking place right now in the heavenlies. When I say right now, I mean the scripture would say this, that there is a war being waged in the heavenlies, that the battle you and I face right now, it's not flesh and blood. It is principalities right now seeking to tear down the power and the truth of the gospel. There's an enemy that's coming after us, 
And at the same time, our flesh, which knows what feels so familiar and even maybe even momentarily feels good to us, that's bringing our lives to a grinding halt. And God's heart for you and I, even right now today, is that we would walk and experience the fullness of freedom that he gave to us on the cross. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. What does that mean? It's, a, it's an invitation. It's a call to say. This is not a dead religion that you sign up for so that you can feel good about yourself, give some money, do some good things, and get out of this, Un kind of hopefully being unscathed. What he's saying is where the Spirit of God is invited in, then the Spirit of freedom from him comes alive and lives powerfully in us. Listen, there's a lot of bad definitions about what freedom actually is. A lot of bad definitions of freedom. So when we talk about freedom, oftentimes, even especially in our culture, we love the word freedom. Everybody loves freedom here in America. We love that. We're all on for that. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the freedoms. But often when we talk about freedom, what we sometimes mean or think is, I can just do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And of course, we all know that never works. You can do that, but it isn't actual freedom. Or the freedom is the thing that helps me just hang on until the end. But that's not freedom in Christ. In fact, Peter says in his letter, first letter, he says, live as people who are free not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God, meaning that our freedom in Christ is fuel for walking out God's call on our lives. It's not a license to live our own way, often as the culture teaches. Rather, the gospel is this call not to just one time be made free from the bondage of sin, but we're given power to actually live freely every day to be able to be who God made us to be and to do what God has made us to do. In fact, this freedom that we have in him, it's not just an end goal that we're trying to get to. Hear this, freedom in Christ is not a destination. It's the result of growing more and more in the fullness of God's kingdom. Now, that's awesome because we just sang some amazing songs. Our God reigns. Our God reigns forever. Your kingdom reigns. What does that actually mean in our everyday lives? I believe that's what Jesus wanted to get down to the heart of, is the tendency of our lives is to live bound up. And Jesus came, and what he said is, 
I've got a brand new kingdom that's coming. It's not going to function in the kingdom that you look at with your eyes. It functions in a completely different place. And I'm going to ask you to come up to a brand new kingdom, to live completely out of a different place. Not just a one time, thanks Jesus for fixing my stuff. I'll just try to grind this out. But in fact, a daily, regular encounter with the living God where we come up into a different way of living than anyone else around us. Something that we get invited into through relationship with him and we get to invite others into. And so if you're going here, well, that sounds amazing, but I'm, I don't know how, if I really experience that for you. You might be going like, that sounds amazing. That preach is really cool, but I don't know that I'm experiencing that. And my guess is, if you feel that way, the regular voice of the enemy coming to bring shame is ready to steal what God wants to call you into even now. To say, yeah, but that's not you. I mean, you've tried that before. It didn't work. Or the sentiments there that God's there kind of tapping his foot like, hey, when will you finally figure this freedom thing out? When are you going to kind of get your act together and come be free? This is the voice of the enemy. It's never the voice of the father. If you ever think the voice of the father is tapping his foot going, when are you going to get free? Let me tell you, you haven't heard the voice of the Father. Why? Because freedom isn't a one-time thing. What freedom is, is the regular invitation of the God of the universe to come and live out of his kingdom that is now alive, and not just alive, but he's ready to set a blaze in you, in me. The truth is, is that every one of us, every person coming into this world with wounds and hurts and disappointments. We've all had wrong beliefs and wrong thoughts about ourselves and wrong thoughts about God and other people. God wants to replace all of those broken things with truth that sets us ablaze. Every one of us has patterns and ways of operating that need to be put to death so that life can come and spring up again. That's the play. That place for powerful, flowing freedom comes from this kingdom of God that you literally get to carry in you. And there's nothing like it on the face of the planet. There is no other place that can give you this kind of freedom. No system, no authority, no government can give this to you. I love America. I'm so grateful for our country, the freedoms that we have. We have brothers and sisters who do not experience the freedoms that we have and being able to worship freely and do what we're we're doing even here this morning. They're doing it underground and in homes and they have to hide. And so I'm so grateful for the country that we live in. But please hear this. The freedom that you hunger for to live out of fully cannot be guaranteed by a governmental institution, can't ever deliver you to it. It isn't the place of hope. Our place of hope is in a king, and that king is perfect, by the way. And that king, hear this, the king of the king, this kingdom, he never lies. 
He never covers things up. There's no conspiracies with this king. There's never a false thing that the king speaks. There's never a misuse of resources with this king. There's no living under painful subjugation with this king. He is simply the perfect king in his perfect kingdom, and he's inviting us to live in it. And if you're in Christ today, if you're in Christ today, you get to belong to that kingdom without reservation, living in it and functioning in it. And so to live and to grow in the freedom purchased for us in Christ, God's asking us to begin to lay down the other kingdoms. What I'd say is lay down our kingdoms. I'll say that again. You can throw that up on the screen. To live and grow in the freedom that we've been purchased, that was been purchased for us in Christ, what God's going to say is, hey, I'm going to ask you, will you be willing to lay down the old kingdoms? Lay down the old kingdoms. And here's how God would say it. He'd say, listen, take the thing that has been broken in you and hand it over to me, give it over to me so that I can give you a brand new way of seeing life and a brand new identity. First Peter chapter two, he says, Here's what I want you to know about yourself. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, here's what he's saying is that right now there are two actual kingdoms that exist. There is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light or the kingdom of God. And those are the two places in which you and I can operate. There's a thousand governments, but hear this. There's two kingdoms, one of darkness and one of light. And God created this brand new kingdom for us to be able to come into that would pull us out of the kingdom of darkness and all that operates in that place. It's in John chapter three, Jesus says, you have to be born again. What is he actually saying? Jesus looks at his people, his followers, and says, you have to be born again. What he's saying is, I'm gonna pull you out of a broken kingdom, and you're gonna be born into something completely brand new. The wholeness of your life will be defined by this kingdom. Before we received Jesus, we lived in the kingdom of darkness. And there's a culture to that kingdom of darkness. And we literally belonged to another ruler. I want to say this again. There's two kingdoms. One is ruled by darkness, an enemy, and one is ruled by a king who's perfect. And every one of us lived in the darkness and were called out of that place because we belong to another ruler. John chapter eight, Jesus is actually speaking to religious people, which I love, because he wants to make really clear. He wants to make really clear. He's not interested in trying to get you to sign up for a religion. He's calling you and I to live in a completely different, under a completely different power in a completely different way. John chapter eight, you are of your father, the devil. 
Strong words. Strong words. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus wants to create a clear distinction. Two kingdoms, you can operate in either one, but you can't operate in both. And this other one is ruled by the, that which wants to destroy you. John 3, in, earlier in the same uh, letter, says, and this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and the people loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Meaning every one of us was born into bondage, into darkness, and God sent his son to die to bring us into a new kingdom. Hear this. Jesus did not die to fix a couple of bad things about you. Jesus died to bring you into a brand new kingdom in a completely different way of living. To turn your world upside down and pull you out of the thing that you're stuck in and to say, no, there is a different, greater, better way. It's my way. You're going to have to be divorced from the kingdom of darkness to experience the fullness of it. And that church is the battle is what kingdom do you find yourself operating in today? And in fact, the, whole, the entirety of the scripture is this beautiful, magnificent, worthy, powerful God inviting us to take all of him in and to have fullness of life. And we keep going, no, it's just easier and better to do the kingdom of darkness. It just seems more familiar, and I, this is what my parents did to me, and this is what I'll do to my kids, and this is what our culture says we ought to do, and these are the ways that everyone else is going, and God's waving his hand saying, you're not having and experiencing life because that's not where life is found. That kingdom of darkness is never going to measure up. It just isn't going to give you what you want, even though it's what everyone's pursuing. said, that's not who you are anymore if you're in Christ. It wasn't trying. Listen, Jesus didn't go to the cross so you could have fire insurance to get out of hell, right? Your card, your monopoly card. Jesus went to the cross for freedom in your life. And freedom in your life is living in a brand new kingdom under his rulership. And to experience the fullness that comes from it, Ephesians 5, 8. For at one time you were, you were darkness. That's a powerful statement. Not just that you lived in darkness. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light. Whoa, come on. You were darkness, but now you are light. Hear this fundamentally changed, not 
you get to dabble in some light over here. You are light. I'm changing you fundamentally, born again. So walk as children of light. Have power. You now have power to walk in a new life. You once were slave, and now you're no longer a slave. Let me say it again. You once were a slave. You are not a slave. If you are in Christ here this morning, you're with me, and I'm speaking this to you. If you are a follower of Jesus and ask him to forgive your sin and to give you new life, and you've asked him to come Lord and King and Savior and to lead you, hear this. You used to be a slave, but listen, you now are light. You are in him. That's who you are. It's your new identity. The enemy wants to press us down to kind of struggle through all the old habits. And God's saying, no, that's not who you are any longer. My kingdom is in you. It's here. It's presence. What Jesus said over and over and over again. He didn't just come to save us, but to deliver us out of darkness and into a brand new kingdom, a new way of life. So what does the kingdom of darkness look like? Um, I want to just do a brief contrast of what I mean by kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of God. So you throw this up here. And I made that really small just to make more of you have to sit on the front row. That's just where we're going with this thing. Now, we're going to go down this list, and every one of us can go, oh, man, those, these are some pretty rough things. Slavery, lies, independence, our own way, accusation, condemnation, bitterness, anger, judgment, offense, fear, selfishness, separation. You can go down the list and go, yeah, man, those, those things are bad. Here's my question that I want to begin to ask is, how much of this do you find yourself operating in on a regular basis? Now, that's an uncomfortable question. It's an uncomfortable question, but it is one that God cares so much about your life. Because hear this, there's not any part of that that Jesus Christ came to give to you. Not any part of this darkness, lack, strife, curses, insecurity, that Jesus died on the cross so that you would have to continue to find yourself struggling in. He came to deliver you and me from it, every ounce of it. And so Jesus came, and he established a brand new kingdom, and that kingdom looks very different. In the kingdom of God, we're adopted, and there's truth, and we get dependence on him and on each other. And we get to experience conviction and repentance and forgiveness and mercy and grace and love and relationship and connectedness and freedom, light. I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm just reading the two lists here from the two kingdoms, man, there is one that seems like joy and life, and there is one that seems incredibly painful. And yet, I think there is a wrestle and a struggle for us to be willing to operate in the newness of the kingdom. So here's what happens is that God says, where are you going to go? Because of the cross of Christ and what he did over sin, he's going to give you an open door to say, where do you want to live? Where do you want to operate? 
Where have you been called to? What have you been given and made to be? And each and every day, you have the whisper of the enemy. Hear this, the whisper of the enemy and the flesh, our own flesh, or what you might call the old sin nature, trying to pull us back into a place of darkness. And every day, the Lord would just so lovingly, so powerfully call us and ask us, do you want to be a slave or do you want to be adopted? Do you want to live under a weight of lies? Do you want to live out of truth and be bitter or do you want to forgive? Do you want to stand in judgment or do you want to receive mercy? And the Lord Jesus himself is inviting us to live out of a brand new kingdom. And when you and I turn our hands over and say, God, I don't want to operate in this any longer. But I want to operate in the truth of who you are and what you have. And what Jesus promises is that he'll give us every ounce of it. And that not that you and I will arrive perfectly, but that you and I have something fresh to operate out of each and every day. The kingdom of God is present even right now. It's present. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus said it over and over in Luke chapter 17. He's being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, and he answered them, answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they look, say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. What he was saying is, you're looking for a system to fix all the things, and I'm here, and I brought it to you. You get changed. You get transformed. It's here and present right now. You have access to everything we just put up on that screen. You have access to it. It's not far from us. The kingdom of God is peace and joy. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and of drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God brings healing. Luke chapter 10. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. I mean, here's what's amazing. When you and I turn our hands over and say, God, I don't want to operate in the old ways. That's what, remember, this is what Paul was trying to talk to the church in Galatia about. Don't go back to the yoke of slavery, but come forward. Not only do we carry this kingdom that changes and transforms us, but you and I, hear this, you hold healing wherever you go. Let me say it again. When you and I live in the kingdom of God, when we step out of darkness and into light because of what Christ has done for us, we not only carry powerful kingdom transformation in our bodies, but you and I begin to take that kingdom wherever we go. We have whole healing, physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing. It's what you and I carry. It's what we were meant to give away. It's what makes the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. We, we get to take this and we get to see worlds transformed. 
homes transformed. It's a powerful reality. More than anything, the kingdom of God just brings closeness to him. It's where he is. The, clo- the kingdom of God is where God is. That's why it's close. Said from that time, Matthew chapter four says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. No one likes the word repent except for God because when God says repent, it's always the invitation to have him. It's always the invitation. You and I are stuck in a broken place. Let me tell you how loving it is for a good father when you're stuck in a broken place to come and say, turn. That's what repent means, by the way. Turn, I have better for you. Not, hey, dummy, you need to fix your bad behavior. Hear this, because that's what the enemy says. You hear the word repent, and the enemy wants you to hear that God's sick and tired of your stuff. When Jesus says repent, he's saying, turn, I have something better for you. But will you come? Will you receive that? And that's ultimately the question. Which kingdom are you operating in and living out? That's where I want to finish this morning. Right, you can come up, Keaton. We're going to close out. You can put your books or notes down. We're just going to take a few minutes, and we get to, on the first Sunday of every month, get an, have an opportunity to, to take communion. So we're going to just prepare our hearts for this for a moment. But we're going to ask some important questions this morning, just before the Lord, just you and the Lord, no one else, and get a chance just to come before him and ask him this question. Lord, we want to come to you right now. I want to turn our hearts and our hands to you. Would you just ask, just come before the Lord. You get get to inquire of him. He loves that, by the way. All throughout the scriptures, just inviting us to come to him, speak to him, hear his voice. So here's the invitation. In fact, uh, Nikki, I'm going to ask you, would you put that list, the list up on the screen uh, that I had, the, the kingdom of darkness? There, thank you. Would you just ask the Lord, Lord, is there any part of me that is not walking in the fullness that you've bought for me? Just ask him that. like your world is in chaos or you do you feel hopeless are you wrestling with selfishness or fear you've got offense or judgment whatever the thing is on just want to give you a moment to turn your hands to the Lord and say Lord I'm really wrestling operating from
you've been hurt by. Maybe even those in the church. Those that were supposed to be protectors of you. And you're bitter. Fear is overwhelming you. Or you might just need to break down. I'm just kind of operating a lot about myself right now. Self-centered, thinking about me. Or you've got insecurities that feel like they are preying upon you, tearing you down. Whatever it is. Here's the invitation. Them. You can, uh, as you come, you can take the 
or you can take it back to your seat. We're just going to finish reflecting on the Lord. So I'm going to pray for us, then I'm going to invite you to come and receive. Father, thank you for this moment to reflect and think about this kingdom that you brought us into, to remember that you died so that we could live, that we don't have to go back into a yoke of slavery, but that we can step into the fullness that comes from your kingdom alive in us. We receive that with joy and life. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You can come and receive the receive these elements with gladness because you have brought us into your family to give us power in life. The fullness of joy, not just when we see you face to face, but in the here and now. Your kingdom alive right now. Operating in every place across the earth. And so would you give us courage to step back into the fullness that you have for would you show us what it looks like to do that on an everyday basis? You turn our hearts to be hungry for more of what you have to release to us Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. 
May we continue to lay down that invitation to pick back up a yoke of slavery. We lay that down. We walk in your fullness. Thank you, God. Keep leading us. That's what we ask. About to conclude our time together here, we're going to have some prayer partners available to pray with you about whatever's going on in your world. I'm going to pray a blessing over us as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, who is the king of the kingdom, who's brought us into his family, we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. We love you. We'll see you next week.